Hello, everyone. Welcome to season two, officially, of Dizcast. Uh, I am your host, Anwar, and I have with me a brand new co-host. Hi! It is my dear friend, Fairleth. Hi, Fairleth. Say hello. Hello. Hello, Anwar. Hi. I'm so happy to be here. Yes. So uh, I reached out to Fairleth uh, to have her join me uh, because... She and I, in our many hangouts and, you know, intoxicated situations, <laughs> end up usually just nerding out about Disney stuff. And so I figured, you know what, let's make the podcast a little more interesting and have another person on who is just as much a nerd of this stuff as I am, perhaps even a bigger nerd. <laughs> it uh, depends on the thing. It depends on the You're thing. Well and, Yes, and yeah, and just to make it a little more interesting, and I figured it'd be nice to have a second voice uh, to grace the ears. Oh, thank you. Well, mm-hmm. I, I'm a mezzo-soprano, and you're a baritone, right? So This is true, yes. <laughs> so, Fairleth, uh, why don't you introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself, and what it is, uh, a little bit of your history with uh, with Disney and the House of Mouse. Sure. All right. Um, my name is Fairleth. I'm a friend of Anwar's, and um, my main focus in life is creating theater and trying to make innovations happen within the realm of theater. And um, trying, I'm also trying to change people's minds about what um, bodies should be on stage and what beauty is. And uh, I find that um, in my downtime, I'm always returning to uh, Disney movies, Disney animation. I think uh, some of the most active, the, the most amazing acting in the entire world can be found in Disney and Pixar animation, and I think that's fascinating. And whenever I'm teaching an acting class, I say go watch Ratatouille if you want to learn to be a good actor. I don't know how to help you beyond that. Like just everything Disney creates is is new, and it's the first one, and they always want to want to do the best they can, and it's um, something I can really relate to, and I really relate to a lot of the. Um, philosophies that Walt Disney has in creating entertainment or had and um, he's a personal hero of mine and um, I really nerd out specifically as much as I love all of the films and uh, there are very few I haven't seen and I know a lot about all of them but I'm also a really really big fan of the innovation happening at Disney parks and I know a lot about that so whereas Anwar might know way more than I do about the animation. I can at least give him a run for his money about parks. This is very, very true. <laughs> the amount of times I have just sat there and had Fairleth just geek out at me about Disneyland, like the park itself, and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, whoa, that's cool. <laughs> I, I I personally love it because of course the you know the parks are the parks hold a very special place in my heart. Uh, specifically Disneyland. Um, Me too. In part because, of course, that was the park that Walt built. Yeah. Uh, but also because, of course, myself and uh, my partner have been there a few times, and it's it holds a lot of happiness for us, and so it holds a lot of happiness for me because some of my fa- some of my happiest moments have happened there as you know as cliche as it sounds it it's very much the happiest place on earth for my, for me and so uh and so yeah, yeah. and uh fairleth for you as well the the park holds a uh, place in your heart as well i believe yes yes it does i i went as a kid and understood for the first time what um theming and immersion can do to people emotionally mm-hmm. and those early trips to disneyland have um shaped my entire artistic practice around immersing audience in a world and um so i i just it's my place i need to take pilgrimage pilgrimages to to remind me why i do what i do for a living um yeah 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 and now i and you were actually on the podcast i think like a year and a half ago uh when we were talking about you mounting your immersive show alice in glitterland yeah yeah and i remember we nerded out about the parks and that sort of thing uh there so i know that there's an episode uh with you uh way back in the archives <laughs> <laughs> i tracked it down last night actually oh really uh, yeah but um yeah that it was so nice it was it's so nice to get a chance to talk to um 
people, well, you, especially people who have the same passions as you do about your passion and, and all the different things that contribute to it. It just, it's mm. the most validating, affirming experience. And I think that's why a podcast like this is so important and nice. Yeah. And especially from, uh, from a particular point of view of not necessarily, not just necessarily from, uh, a more, I guess, adult point of view, but also mm. I feel like from, uh, you know, a queer point of view yes. and also perhaps a POC point of view and perhaps even uh, a I don't want to I don't want to use the word woke but like a more <laughs> critical point of view like yeah a more like politically correct point of view I suppose because of course like as much as you know as much as we love uh, Disney and everything about it I feel because we love it so much I feel it is our responsibility to at the same at the same time you know, bring up some of the issues that, you know, can come forward and can be there and things like that. You know, like, for example, uh, one of the biggest things that comes to mind, I think it, it's not like a huge, huge uh, issue, but I, it's definitely something that people point to as a sort of thing is with the movie The Princess and the Frog, mm. I think is like, it's great that we have Princess Tiana, who is, you know, the first princess of color or at, le at the very least the first, the first, first black, black princess, princess, first black princess. And then she spends like two thirds of the movie as a frog. Yeah. And so it's like, cool, here's this great step forward in, in progression and inclusion and diversity. But then also, you know, oh, yeah, no, the two main characters of color are, you know, frogs. The whole, yeah. Like the majority of the movie. Yeah. And then so. it ends up feeling like, well, you didn't know what to do with this person of color. So you turned her into a frog so you could just give her frog problems. And then it was solved. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I think movies like Coco and I mean, even though he spends mm -hmm. most of the movie as a skeleton, but it's a human skeleton. So I think it's OK. <laughs> well, uh, no, he's human. The, he's human. The majority of the movie. Yeah, he's human. Uh, he, but I'm, he's I'm slowly kidding. turning into a skeleton. Yeah. But I mean, that movie made me feel so warm inside, made me want to explore um, Mexican culture so much mm -hmm. more than I ever had before. I was more peripherally, peripherally aware of that. And I think there's great power in being uh, such a media a juggernaut as disney Absolutely. is and you know um what comes with great power exactly well i, I know for me coco is my favorite pixar movie me too in mainly because it is such a big it is so much about that mexican culture and you know considering my whole dad's side of the family is mexican it it it, it hits me every time like i cannot watch that movie and not cry yeah. uh because like just watching it and like all of the beautiful colors, the imagery and the culture and talking about the day of the dead, which is one of the biggest celebrations in Mexico. Uh, and like the, some of the songs are in Spanish and it's like, you know, it, 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 it hits, it hits very heavy for me. And I know that movie was one of the biggest reasons why I decided to actively start celebrating the day of the dead. Awesome. Like, yeah. And so like, uh, because as uh, like growing up, uh, we never celebrated it in my house which I actively blame my father for. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and so like it, it was one of those things where it was like, oh, there's this, here's this beautiful, beautiful celebration, this beautiful uh, holiday that was never celebrated in my house. And I'm kind of bummed about that. And so growing up, I know I want, I, especially after Coco, I was like, I want to experience that. I want that to be more of a thing. And so, yeah, and so this was the first year or, 2020 was the first year I ever actually did it. It was fun. Amazing. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. I set up a whole like little altar and everything. Um, I had some picture. I, I literally printed out pictures of some of my past family members that have passed. Uh, I sat down with Colin and we watched Coco and then we just kind of hung out and everything. He's very much like a whole like he, he has like he, he is full atheist. He doesn't believe in an afterlife. He doesn't believe in ghosts. None of that stuff. Uh, he's not spiritual at all. And so, uh, but I was like, just, just sit here and just do this thing with me. Yeah. Just do this thing with me. And he was like, all right, all right. So I was very, very thankful that he, you know, kind of sucked it up and just sat with me. <laughs> but I mean, like, and I'm sure Colin understands that it's it's about keeping people alive by talking about them and remembering them. Yeah. More than yeah. anything. And I, I think also the movie made that clear. And I think... That's such a cool thing that um, Disney Pixar um, are doing now compared to like you look at a movie like Pocahontas and you look at a, or, mm -hmm. or even Hunchback of Notre Dame and that they're yeah. showing people of color and they're trying to do it from a 
sympathetic point of view, but not from the point yeah. of view of the people of color they're showing. And then there's Coco, which is like, here are, are people of color playing their own characters, telling their own yeah. stories. And it mm-hmm. it just, it rings so different. It makes me happy that we're evolving culturally. Very much so, yeah. And now, and then with, uh, with Soul that just came out yeah. uh, recently, being so heavily involved by... Uh, you know, Afro-American culture and jazz and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, Did you see Soul really, really yet? Good. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, I saw it. And I, it, I hear it's really good. It is very good. It suffers from the, the main character turned into something a bit. Um, there, mm. in, And I don't want to spoil anything because it is new. Um, but a, a little more than I was afraid it would, but I also thought it was really cool and really beautiful. And I think it's really cool how Pixar is exploring really adult existential concepts in its films lately and mm-hmm. sort of seeing what happens, um, yeah. in soul and inside out and all of those films. Yeah. So, fucking inside out. I inside loved out. inside out. If you like inside out, you're going to like soul. Okay, cool. Cause it, like inside out is, is I, I love that movie so much cause it, it, it does such a good job of. I think really exploring that shift from when you're a kid and like realizing, you know, different emotions and effectively growing up and puberty and like really getting hit by all that kind of in this big whirlwind, uh, you know, with the main character freaking out about all this change in her life, Mm -hmm. you know, and how all like her inner emotions are trying to wrestle with all of that, you know? Yeah. That's funny. Um, the first time I saw Inside Out was the first time I really connected with parent characters on screen. Ah. Um, I had just I, – I don't remember when it came out and I, I don't know what age I was, but, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's just like I had this emotional moment of relating more to the parents and, and feeling this little flicker of like maybe I'll be a parent someday and Inside Out is really special to me for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had broccoli pizza, though, I'd be super psyched about it. I don't. <laughs> there's some oh yeah pixar oh God, yeah. writer who just like really has a thing about broccoli out there just i guess had to eviscerate it yeah oh my god and then oh one like i died laughing when it's like uh when they make the bear joke in san francisco yes, yes. like oh my god i died it's like are there bears in san francisco I saw a guy that kind of looked like a bear. I fucking died. <laughs> I was like, I was like, that is such a direct, that is such a direct joke. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. It was just yeah. so funny. Well, it's it was like, a non-judgmental it, like, joke. It wasn't framed. No, not at all. Like it was nice. Yeah. Well, of course, because like that is such a common thing within, you know, uh, particularly within the gay community, you know, that, that moniker of bear. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not a negative connotation at all. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's, and so just to kind of throw that in, as just like a cute joke, especially with San Francisco, just which is a, a very wink. heavily gay. Yeah, exactly. Which is such a heavily gay city. You yeah. know, it was just very funny. It was kind of like when, uh, in frozen two, uh, when, uh, when like at the end, you've seen frozen two, I assume. Yeah. Seen it all. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. So like at the end when, uh, when Kristoff is like all nice and like in a very nice suit and uh Anna's all like, Aw, do you guys get all dressed up for me? And he's like, You get this for one hour. <laughs> and then and, and then she and then she's like, That's okay. I prefer you in leather anyway. I in the theater, like I just like grabbed <laughs> Colin's hand and I was just like I was like, that like ah it was just such a funny joke. It was so funny. And it and it was great because like on Twitter, like when of course when the movie came out and uh, like within like the weeks afterwards, like that was one of the big things, especially on like gay Twitter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Basically, just been like, oh yeah, oh yeah, like honest kinky. <laughs> it was just so funny. I mean, she doesn't but have I lo- a lot I love to do other than like if you look at the beginning of that movie, she hangs out with a snowman, a reindeer, her sister, mm-hmm. and her boyfriend. Of course, she's kinky. If that's the situation. <laughs> <laughs> That you gotta fill the time. I guess so. It's just it was just very very funny. I loved it, and I loved like those cute little jokes that like are thrown in. Me too. We should definitely keep a tally of those while we analyze movies. Yes, yeah. just kind of being like, let's see what let's see what would go what would zip over the uh, the head of certain, I suppose certain age demographics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That'll be fun to delve into. Yeah. Exactly. I feel like Pixar probably has more of those than like strictly Disney movies. I think you're right. There's a little bit more edge to Pixar movies. I mean, the word I'm looking mm-hmm. for, I can't say because there's preschool toys present. Like just every mm-hmm. every Pixar movie is very 
honestly, Pixar movies feel to me a lot like the old school Muppets do, that it just happens to be clean humor that is Mm -hmm. adult as anything. Like, the parts that kids don't get, it doesn't really matter to them. It just, they're writing a good movie for anybody that happens to have clean humor. Yeah. And I love that. Me too. That's why I I love love Disney movies. Yeah. They I love that be. kind of comedy. Me too. Well, I mean, you have to be clever rather than um, rely on something a little um, tropier or um, vulgar. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I just it, – it it really makes me happy to see the kinds of innovations. And again, using the word innovation, but like that is the reason I love Disney. It, mm-hmm. the, the innovations they come up with to be engaging are so cool to me. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to think of another, I was trying to think, trying to think of like another example, but honestly, one of the ones that like kind of talking about that kind of humor that comes to mind is, is not, it's not at all a Disney property, but it's just because it was, I, I just watched it the other night, but uh, we, Colin and I watched an episode of the Animaniacs. Oh my, like the, the re- new one. The re, the reboot. How is it? And it's, it's so good. I'm so jealous. It's so good. Um, But like, there's a, there's, there's a sketch in which they do kind of a, a mock of uh murder on the orient express oh cool but yeah but it but it's they're searching for a, a lost dog on the train uh <laughs> there's no murder so it's all it's all no there's no murder it's just a dog gets supposed supposedly runs away but gets kidnapped uh or dog napped but uh there's a there's a point in the sketch when they're trying to search for clues and dot <laughs> goes and dot goes to the closet opens the closet uh, and is like throwing stuff out of the closet and she throws out a pair of ruby slippers mm-hmm. and she throws out like what looks like an uh a skeletal old woman which is uh, which which was uh which was 100% a reference to Mrs. Bates hysterical tosses it and then brings out an entire net of of red fish and 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 Yakko's like what was in the closet and she's like nothing just just a bunch of red herrings uh... and and I, I, I lost it. That's really I funny. I lost it. It was so funny because it's so, so clever. Yeah, that's so good. And I mean, like, no kid under the age of like twelve would know that. I mean, no, it's that's a very Nancy like, Drew kind of reference. I yeah, think. like they're not going to get the ruby slippers from Wizard of Oz. They're not going to get Mrs. Bates from Psycho. Mm-mm. Like, I don't even <laughs> think they even understand what a red herring is. No, but it was just so funny. It was so funny. Anyway, we're we're veering to an entirely different property. <laughs> that's my bad. We're digressing. <laughs> we're digressing or i'm digressing well, all right like i'll pull it back i made a list of questions in case we got off yes. topic so i have to ask you the yes. first question it's your punishment because for talking about animaniacs yes because you're you're much better at this than i am no i'm not i've never been on a podcast i just you're <laughs> you you i want to impress you okay <clears throat> my first question is who's your favorite disney character and why oh that's hard i know <laughs> that is so hard i mean like there's so many like uh, well, I can answer oh. first. Will you think about it? You don't have to listen to what I'm saying. You can just ponder. Okay. Because I know right, mine. You answer first. Okay. My favorite Disney character, and I really agonized over this, is Lilo. Lilo is a role model. She's a little girl who takes charge of her own destiny. She's a little girl mm. who believes in herself and has high self-esteem despite getting bullied because she just believes in the truth of the world she creates around her. And um, family is the most important thing in the world to her. And even though she's struggling with the most traumatic thing one could, uh, mm. she gets through it as best she can and finds a new family. And I like Nani as well, as a, but I'd, I'd give Lilo the edge over her. Oh, that's a really good answer. Oh, thanks. Damn, I don't know. It's so hard. <laughs> well, can you do like a top three? Uh, all right. Let me see if I can try a top three. Okay. Um, in no real like particular order. Yeah. The like, I don't, I don't, three equal uh, footing characters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just three. Let's see. I think one of them would probably have to be uh, Miguel from Coco because I, re- I, 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 I really resonated with him with his character because. He's just a kid that really just has such a passion for music mm-hmm. and such a passion for performing that he's willing to go against his his family's wishes just to follow his passion, mm-hmm. which is very much uh, which I feel is very much a path that I personally have kind of gone through. Yeah, just because like I have I I love performing and music so much. Like I would I want that to be my life is just performing on stage for people mm-hmm. uh and yeah and so like and like 
him wanting to just just have that opportunity and going as far as he can to seize his moment, yeah. you know, using the quote from the movie, to seize his moment to just perform in what's basically an open in open mic. Yeah. That's that's really just what he wants is just to perform for people. Mm-hmm. And it's like I mean, like I don't know if I would I would go as far as breaking into um a mausoleum and stealing a guitar, but <laughs> I mean uh I've I've never been and a 10 or 11 year old boy myself but i hear they do stuff spontaneously <laughs> this is very true yes um yeah so i think i really like miguel um i like miguel a lot too i think it's cool how he finds a way when yeah. he has obstacles yeah and ultimately just to follow this passion that he just so so heavily loves yeah. which i which i really love i always I think, think another one oh sorry, sorry. last no, thought okay. on it i just always think yeah. after the movie ends it's so nice because his grandfather is an incredibly famous musician yeah <laughs> so he's gonna have a pretty easy time in the performing arts but good for yeah. him he deserves it yeah um i think another one is and it just came to mind and i was thinking about it is um thomas o'malley <gasps> Oh my goodness! Oh, Thomas O'Malley, much like Robin Hood, source of many furry problems <laughs> for many I would, people. I would probably, I would say, I would say probably Robin Hood over Thomas O'Malley, just only because Thomas O'Malley is still, or because Robin is still. He, uh, he wears a hat anth- and and a and a shirt. He's a he's a person fox, anthropomorphized. Yes, he, yes, he's anthropomorphic, so he's more easily. Uh, furryfied i guess sure but like <laughs> thomas o'malley has swagger anyway go ahead he does he does but yeah no I, I really enjoy the character of thomas o'malley because he's here's this character who's confident has a swagger he's chill he's cool mm-hmm. he comes up to this he comes up and start you know starts casually flirting with with the with duchess and not and it's, it's funny because it's like casual but but it's funny because like the way the way he flirts with her is not even it it doesn't come off as creepy. No, it's gentle. It's so sweet. It comes off as gentle and it's sweet. And then he finds out that oh, she has kittens, and he's like oh, okay, I'm rolling with this. And like immediately just accepts the fact that she has three kids. Yeah. And like, see what I mean? He's an ideal man. Like, he just happens to be becomes, a cat. Yeah, and becomes such a friend to them. Yeah, it's so nice. And cares about them and is like and like even though he realizes, oh, like I may not get with this with this cat, I'm still gonna like help them find their way back to Paris. Yeah. And I and I feel like he genuinely does he genuinely helps them without any real, you know, secondary motivation. It's an example genuinely- of non toxic masculinity. Exactly. And I think he just want he just he sees this family in distress and he's like, oh, I'm going to put my ego. I'm going to put my, you know, f- quite frankly, my lustful thoughts to the side because <laughs> yeah. th- because this because this family just wants to get home. Yeah. And I'm going to help them because I can. Mm-hmm. Right. And he does it. And then and then the, the relationship between him and Duchess just happens to build over the course of their adventure. Mm-hmm. Which I really, really liked, right? And so, and then at the end, when you know they get together, it doesn't feel forced. Oh, absolutely! It feels not. genuine. It feels sweet. Um, well, so calling back to Lilo and Stitch, I feel like they have a similar connection um, as Nani and David do, and it's just oh, like yeah. family first and our friendship first, and then, and I mean, I'm sure it's 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 a really deep for a cat movie, but um, gosh, I just love the Aristocats. I watched it over and over as a kid. I fast I really forward like that at movie. the beginning. <laughs> Oh, the uh, with the opening credits. Um, anything that had uh, sad um, parts, human parts, um, an evil person. Uh, just I wanted <laughs> oh, fun cat I see what times. You mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so basically, the movie starts with you start starts for you after they've been kidnapped. Yeah, or after they've been catnapped. Catnapped, kidnapped. Abs- yeah, I mean, I I just need to rewatch it again to remember everything with the humans. I know the general idea is that. Um, yeah. The really glamorous older unmarried lady leaves all mm-hmm. her money to her cats and not her servant, yeah. right? Yeah. But does he get anything? Uh, I don't recall. 
Because, I mean, I, I get it. I don't actually know. If he doesn't, I don't remember. If he doesn't know those cats are Disney sentient cats, I understand abandoning the cats so you can get what's yours. <laughs> I'm just saying it's, it seems it seems kind of mean to give all your money to cats and not a butler. But maybe he was the worst. I don't know. I have to rewatch it. Yeah, because I don't, I don't actually remember. Because, yeah, if, if she really doesn't leave anything to the butler, that's actually, that's, that's real shitty. Yeah. Like, thinking about it. Yeah. Like, when we get really? there, we're going to have anything? to look into this. Yeah. You're going to be like, hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. All right, so who's number your third? Three. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like, now, like, a few other characters are starting to pop into my head, but I'm like. Well, I mean, uh, it's just a chat. I You don't get points or anything. No, I know, but I'm just, I'm trying to. You'll definitely oh, automatically I mean, like, get an A plus on this quiz. <laughs> there are, there are literally no wrong answers. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, I, well, I've, okay. Well, I've mentioned two male characters. Yeah. Let's see if I can find a female character just to kind of balance it out a little bit. Um, oh, the, oh, I love like so many of the female characters thinking about it. Fuck. <laughs> like, well, I have, who's your favorite uh, princess later, so. Oh, okay, well then I'll save the princess then. I'll save the princesses. Um All right. Uh let's see. Favorite You know what? What? Okay. Um I'm so excited. There's probably, been such build up, Anwar. Probably Anna. Oh, why? Tell me. Because I feel like she had such a rough go. Mm-hmm. She did. Like, w- when you really look at her story over the course of Frozen and Frozen 2, I really think she had such a rough go, and she just kept pushing forward. She was like, like, in the first one, she basically gets isolated from her sister without knowing why. Mm-hmm. All she thinks is that just suddenly her sister just didn't love her anymore and just didn't want anything to do with her. Mm-hmm. That's real sad. Then her parents die. That's real sad. Yeah. Then more isolation. That's even sadder. Uh, can and I then... interrupt for one second? You just said isolation twice, so I have another question for you. Okay. Do you believe in the hit song Let It Go, the line, a kingdom of isolation is an intentional pun? Absolutely. Yeah, me too. All right, go ahead. 100% it is. <laughs> Every time I'm singing along in the car, I do like really fierce air quotes around it just so everyone knows I got it. Yeah, no, that's a hundred percent. That's a hundred percent wordplay. Nice. All right, um, go ahead. I'm just wa- curious. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and so like, and so then uh, when it becomes coronation day, she's genuinely excited because it's like, oh my god, I'm gonna actually get to see other people. And then you know she has to go off and rescue her sister, which I think is very admirable. And then is like immediately met with the fact that oh, this guy that she thought she loved turns out to be the bad guy. Spoilers if you've never seen Frozen, but also if you've never seen where Frozen, have you been? I I don't know. Where have you been? What, um yeah. you know, and so but still does what she can to save her sister. And I think and what I really, really, really loved about Frozen was that it really explored I mean, I know you mentioned Lilo and uh and I think Lilo and Stitch did a really good job of this first, was talking about uh familial love. Yeah. You know. Uh, because that's the topic of, of Frozen. But I think the reason why Frozen gets more attention is because it's a con- it's a conventional Disney movie. You know, it's yeah. a musical. You have the Disney princesses, you know. And it was marketed magic. To, for the princess and it was ha- line. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. oh gosh, Frozen is a musical. And I mean, we're going to get to Frozen someday. And I, I'd love to do a <laughs> special bonus episode on why frozen is not a musical um but that really yes okay i (laughs) my first love more than disney more than anything is musical comedy music the history of musical theater i went to school for musical theater and um frozen stops being a musical halfway through and i it It's a really finicky little thing to say, but, like, I don't feel it really fulfills the parameters of being an actual musical. It it never ends. The last song is Fixer Upper, and that's not a great song. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, I see what you mean. Well, I mean, you can contest that the last song is the reprise of of the Voilier, like, at the end when she's defrosting all of Arendelle. You can contest that, but I do see your point. Yeah. And I think think this is actually – I actually think this is – an, an apparent thing across almost all of the Disney musicals. If you really think about it, 
into the, going into the third act, there are no songs. Yeah, some of them. When you get into do. the third act, you know, like all the Ashman and Menken musicals, I think were full musicals. But like you're saying, like a lot of them don't follow traditional musical theater stru- structure. And to me, because mm-hmm. that's so like in my bones, I find those yeah. movies less satisfying but um so i see what you mean you know frozen has been made a broadway musical and they padded Mm -hmm. it out so much fuck they padded unnecessarily and i (laughs) so i have i have beef with some of the ways the the story is told on broadway for sure i think there's way Mm -hmm. too many stand and scream power ballads but i also think they monster monster but they also sacrifice storytelling to like shoehorn more dance breaks in which really bothers me like huga huga i could do an entire podcast on it makes me so mad huga yeah yeah no you're right it's you're right. It doesn't make right. sense for them to be dancing in a sauna when they have to get up a mountain because it's life or death stakes. But anyway, <laughs> wh- before the Broadway musical came out, I sat down angrily and wrote a huge list of how I thought it could be improved into a full musical, <laughs> um, which we don't have time to get into of now. Of course you did. But I have of a lot of thoughts. Did. I know they could have done it with by writing absolutely no new songs, just reprising songs. Okay, I'm going to talk about it. I just I'm too excited. I'm gonna quickly talk about it. Okay. If you okay, just okay. reprise, um, do you wanna build a snowman? Uh do that when Anna freezes into a statue, have Elsa be like, Yes, I wanna build a snowman. Sing, oh, sing a whole like, thing. Like to her Yeah, to, to her, her frozen, frozen corpse. Uh to her frozen body. Um and uh, you know, her just saying, like, oh my god, it's, it's too late and I took it for granted that you wanted to be mm-hmm. with me. Sure, okay, you didn't have to write any new music and you've resolved that, um, mm-hmm. you know, because you started all these stories with songs. Um, for Hans revealing himself, you don't need to write a whole villain song, but I think it's a waste of time that they had Santino Fontana, Broadway legend, and didn't write a villain song. But you could just mm. do reprise of Love is an Open Door and a Minor Key is a villain song. And then, mm-hmm. just like Beauty and the Beast, you can soar out over Arendelle at the end with a choral reprise of For the First Time in Forever. Done! <laughs> Done. It's a musical now. It's just a bunch of reprises in the third act. Yeah. I mean, I, I, in real life, if I were, you know, uh, Bob Iger was the head at the time. Whoever, no, he was the head of Parks. Yes. Whoever was, he, who was he? He was the head. Okay, if I were Bob Iger at the I'm time, sure he was the uh, general head of Disney. Yeah, I would have just said like, write two more songs. We have the money. Just... Yeah, but he's also he was he was very much a businessman. Well, you can be. I don't a... think he. Oh. I don't think you know, like he he wasn't very. I don't think Bob Iger was very, you know, as deep in the musicality of things i think that's why he hired um uh kristen anderson lopez and uh Uh, robert lopez yeah they're siblings right they are married why do you think they were siblings i don't know he wrote avenue q he wrote avenue q yeah oh that's awesome his he had a writing partner for that i can't remember his name but uh Ah. Love having you anyway, too. Um, but yeah, I think he I think he was just kind of like, cool, I'm just going to go ahead and leave this to the people who write the songs. But that's what uh, is yeah. so frustrating about Bob Iger as head of Disney. And like, okay, if you all don't have the imagination and our artisticness to you that Walt did, then maybe yeah. you all need to be the equivalent of like an executive director and hire an artistic director like a theater company mm-hmm. does. Because I think... Um, both the Imagineering in the parks and the um, artistic quality of the films have suffered under people who are just business-minded. And it doesn't mean I don't still enjoy them, but I think there's a definite difference between something designed to be a marketing tool and something created both to forward a studio and because it's, like, the most amazing piece of art ever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you can look at, like, a prime example of that is when they first tried opening California Adventure. Yeah. Like, poor Michael. That was a fucking disaster. (laughs) Like, you're, like, like, holy shit. It was was so ugly. I, um, I've never been to California Adventure, but I, and I, I'd like to go. It's just the only time I've gone to Disneyland since it opened. I had one day, yeah. so I chose Disneyland because I had to, I had to, 
the giant right. silver California letters and um, oh yeah no yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean it's 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 not there anymore like, no the, it's in a park Golden... somewhere I think now no like the the big Golden Gate Bridge the big Golden Gate Bridge is no longer there mm-hmm. obviously the the big word like the the letters in front of the park that spelled out California yeah, that none of that they're gone um a bug's land is it, gone like Cal- california adventure is totally different now it is but i would i would say having having a, actually been there <laughs> uh i mean uh, humble brag. Well. <laughs> uh no but like it's it's i think uh like now california adventure is definitely in a much 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 better place yeah i agree uh because because i think what they're doing with california adventure is because it doesn't because it's not directly attached to the main Disneyland Disneyland Park they're able to do more stuff with it yeah and so like with California Adventure what they did was they have you know they have like the the Hollywood they have like their their um like the equivalent of Main Street which I Buena Vista I can't say it Buena Vista Street yeah Buena Vista Boulevard oh no is it a boulevard or a street I think it's a boulevard well they just opened it for uh COVID dining also but yes, yes, yeah. It's all it's all uh, open and outdoor. Yeah, but yeah, you got that, and then you kind of have like uh, a mini mini version of like uh, studio area where you can kind of like uh, Hollywood Land. Idea. Yeah, it's like a Hollywood Land yeah. kind of thing. Well, it's called Hollywood uh, Land. Yeah, and then that's where they have, of course, the Hyperion Theater. Yeah, um, which but then you have Frozen is closed uh, now. There, speaking of Frozen. Yes, uh, but actually. Doubling back again to <laughs> Frozen on stage, mm. uh, Colin and I saw it on at the Hyperion, and we were actually very pleasantly surprised. I at least really I love Frozen at the Hyperion. I think like yeah. find a happy medium between that and whatever ended up on Broadway, and they would have had a smash hit on their hands. But they- oh, it was it was amazing. Oh yeah, like, well, so was, was their Aladdin was basically... show. Both were very good. Oh yeah, the Aladdin show was was great too. I, I saw that one too, uh, but like both of those shows basically had like broadway level um visuals in that like their costuming was gorgeous their set pieces were amazing the puppetry of sven was so cool was fucking great well so olaf as well i think i think yeah olaf as well yeah and And i like the elsa dress transformation in that i i fucking like when that happened because it happens in such a split second during like a quick blackout of the house of the of the lights yeah and she's she's standing on the stairs that basically move and like turn out mm-hmm. in like over the audience, uh, and like after this big ice chandelier has come down again, Broadway quality, uh, and the and then the dress transformation or the uh, the dress quick change, and you're like, what? Like I was sitting there and it happened, and I was like, how and what the fuck did I just watch? I know it was. It was so, so good. So good. One of these days we're going to have to sit down and actually like compare the different ways Frozen has been told Um, like on stage, like movie, like everything, because I think that would be great. There's multiple park shows of it also. But um, Mm. gosh, the Ice Castle at the Hyperion Theater, I would I would rate it 10 million times above what was on Broadway. They didn't have stairs on Broadway. There were no stairs. Which, which is so dumb. It, I mean, that's iconic. There's no reason not to have stairs. And I know that sounds silly, but it made it just feel so not grand because the set didn't have multiple levels. And yeah. it was just a curtain of Swarovski crystals. The dress transformation was cool. Um, but if it was Ice Castle or the dress transformation, I'd rather have had an Ice Castle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just yeah. great because the Hyperion happened to have both. Yeah. Happen to have both. I I have no yeah. problem with the quick change magic used in the Hyperion Theater. I think it looks just as good as the glitzier Broadway version, um, just different. Yeah, it was great, and it was even cooler because like she was doing it on the stairs. Yeah, it just and happens it just right like, in front of you. Like she's so fast, she's amazing. Like good for her. Yeah, so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just that whole thing. Uh, and well, in uh, California Adventure, of course, has uh, Cars Land, which is I'm obsessed. So- very very cool i love cars land it is so so cool you are on you are in radiator springs yep i like they 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 built the whole town so 
cool. And the way they decorate it for holidays is glorious. So great. Some of the best seasonal decorations in Disney parks, in my opinion, are in Cars Land. I have never seen Cars, and I don't really care to um, until we watch it for the podcast. This is not something I've sought out. Um, yeah. But, like, I'm obsessed with Cars Land, and all the lore I know about Cars is from Cars Land. Yeah. Well, Cars 1 is Cars one is fun. Uh, Cars 2 is terrible. How's Planes? So, I've never seen it, and I don't care to. <laughs> Until we watch it for the podcast. Oh, God. We have to watch I, it. I we have to. There's, like, Planes, and then I think there's, like, another weird spinoff called, like, Fire and Rescue or well, some like, shit. We'll watch know. all of those ones on the same day and do uh, them all in the same podcast and get rid of it. But we, people deserve we'll just to be, know. Yeah, and we'll just be like, we did this for you. For you, for you people. And <laughs> it was it was a thing that we did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, and then Cars 3 is actually quite cute because I think Cars 3, they kind of – they saw what they did with Cars 2 and they were like, what did we just do? Oh, Let's no. <laughs> kind of go back to sort of semi-formula of Cars 1. Uh, but Cars Cars 3 is cute. I like cute. It's fun. And no matter what, they're all short. That's true. That's they are. That's the thing about a Disney um, movie. It's nice yeah. and bite-sized. Yes, exactly. Uh, and, I'm at, and, uh, and Pixar Pier – a California Adventure is just fucking great. I think Pixar uh, Pier is gorgeous. There are Disney fans that are divided over it because really? yeah, well, Pixar Pier has gone through a couple of rebrandings. It started out as Paradise Pier. Some yes. people are really attached to Paradise Pier, but I like Pixar Pier. I I like the bold primary colors. I'm a hundred percent supportive of that. Yeah, and and it's nice because it's nice that Pixar has kind of this really cool little pocket of representation because Pixar is such a big part yeah. of, you know, the like the, the Disney monolith, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of yeah. Disney's current popularity is directly due to the Pixar partnership. And uh, like also, as I said, I think I said before, I at least thought it, a Bugs Land is gone now. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe I just thought it uh, because they're putting it. No, you did say Oh, it. good. Because they're putting Avengers Campus in. Yeah. So, you know, there would be no Pixar representation other than, I mean, I, I guess Midway Mania is going to be there no matter what in the parks yeah. without Pixar Pier. And speaking of Midway Mania, like I – that animatronic that lives outside California Adventures, Midnight Wayman Mania, that take the potato head that takes his own yep. ear off. Yeah, I'll never recover. The only animatronic I've seen better than that in my life is the one um, in the Navi River mm-hmm. boat ride in uh, yeah. Animal Kingdom. I I yeah. cannot believe I cannot believe what they do. It's so that's why I love the parks. It's just like the yeah. things they invent change the world, and they're just made yeah. for fun, and it's just so nice. Yeah, and they were just made because they were like, "We're gonna, tr- we're gonna try this." This is yeah. Let's just try this and see what happens. Yeah, well, that's what and I then think. They, you know, and- modern Imagineering is missing. Go ahead. Well, I mean, I think modern Imagineering, I think is, uh, I think what it is is it's it's partly uh, kind of almost restricted by what is available to them technology wise. Because yeah. I think the reason that the original Imagineers were able to jump so far ahead is because they were playing with uh, technologies that were available, but just had never been done before. Yeah. Right. And so like when you, when you look at the original animatronics of like, for example, uh, well, let's use, let's use an example of the first animatronic that they built. Uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln, like the Lincoln animatronic has not changed in like, the last what 60 years and it still looks good and it's gorgeous yeah and the thing is is that the technology that they used for that animatronic is incredibly rudimentary it's discs and like uh wires and little electronic um servos and stuff like it's so like looking at it now you're like a like a uh, a shop kid could make this in their shop class kind of thing. That's cool though. Just because, But just because of how rudimentary it was. But that was because that was the technology that they had available to them. Yeah. But just no one had ever thought about combining all those things before. Yeah. And whereas that's what's now, so cool. Yeah. Whereas now, I think what, what they kind of have uh, to work with is very simple, is kind of what they've already done with like electronic servos and electronic motion and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. And... Um, now they're starting to do a little more with like digital facing, mm-hmm. which 
I'm still on the fence with. I don't. Sometimes it looks cool. Yeah, I'm still a little like. I mean, I'm still fancy about projection mapping. So like, I'm the worst kind of hipster. But um, I I love the footage of Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway so much that I think like I don't think it should be applied to everything. And I think it's a shame that that's used in the Seven Dwarves Mine Train, for example. Yeah, but I love it. Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, love it. Absolutely. Um, But I think that's because I think that's because uh, it works so much better on that because they're so cartoony yeah doing that face with animatronics like i just don't think it would be the same i think it's the right call and i think it's just like is it is is the application of the technology the right call or is it just because you Mm -hmm. have the technology and um but before i wasn't meaning to put the imagineers down i think it's more just like you they'll never again have the magic of the person who started the company just hiring Mm -hmm. people to mess around for fun because he has ideas that he doesn't know how to make happen yeah exactly no matter like they don't have artistic heads of the company anymore like as we were saying but even if they did no one will have the personal investment that walt disney himself did it just won't happen that's the way it is sometimes yeah because as much as as much as you know as walt disney was you know a product of his time he was he was a capitalist he was you know very very business minded oh for you know, sure like, i'm not i'm not trying to suggest yeah like he, he we recognize that walt disney was not a perfect man yeah. he did you know it's very public the fact that he was very against uh the unionization of the animators like because he was he was a capitalist yeah we recognize that but at the same time, it's like he was also a futurist. Like one of the biggest things that he consistently did was trying to push the envelope and see what could be done. What was the next step? And you see that going as far back as with some of the very like with uh, with Steamboat Willie as a prime example mm-hmm. of that. Like when he when he put out Steamboat Willie, Steamboat Willie required certain technical advancements in the theaters in order for them to show it and it may not have been uh the first uh you know animated cartoon that had synced up audio Mm -hmm. because i think there were i think there were other cartoons that were playing with the idea but it was the first cartoon to do it as successfully as it did. Yeah. Well, I mean, Steamboat right. Willie holds up. Like, uh, the, it, it absolutely holds the, up. It's super cute. And I mean, it holds up better, I think, than some similar animations that came later. And I think the thing I'm trying to put my finger on is Walt Disney's perfectionism combined mm. with vision. So he mm-hmm. knew, like, exactly, like, he, he would think of the thing that everyone would want, and then he'd think of the exact way it needed to be to be the best version of it, and then he yeah. would make that happen. And yeah. not everyone... Even brilliant businessmen, brilliant artists, not everyone has the level of vision that makes you like a genius like that. Yeah. And I think a prime example of that is when he came forward with the Epcot project. Yes. Like when he came forward with Epcot, he was like, he had the whole thing planned out. And it's beautiful. He was, yeah, he was like, this is what I want to see. I want to see a city that isn't, or I want to see a city that is entirely self-sufficient, functions on its own where everyone is able to basically live a certain quality of life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like he it's it's been told that like while he on on his deathbed, when his brother Roy was visiting him like the night before he died, the last thing that Walt did was explain how Epcot was going to work. Awesome. Like Roy, Roy, Roy was saying he was like, yeah, like while my brother was lying there, he was staring at the ceiling and he was just talking about Epcot. He was like, this is what it's going to look like. This is how it's going to happen and blah, blah, blah. And he had the whole thing in his brain. And then, unfortunately, Walt would then pass away that next morning. Mm-hmm. And then Roy, but, and so, unfortunately, Roy was never able to fully, uh, you know, bring Walt's vision to life. because he's not Walt. He's not Walt. Because, <laughs> well, because Roy was always the money guy. Yeah. He was he was always he was always the guy that had to get the funding. Absolutely. And And I mean, like like, he did his best. I mean, Epcot is completely different than it was meant to be. But like also the whole everything is different. Walt died. And, you know, like I I think it's okay that it's different is all I'm all I mean. It's um, Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone else could have done it without it seeming hokey or or just not being good. 
Oh, for sure. And I think what Epcot is today, I think it's I think it's nice. I think it's nice to have a spot where so many different where that highlights so many various cultures and so many various you know, places around the world, right? That that celebrates that idea of globalization and celebrates that idea of diversity. Yeah. Right? And I mean, they do give opportunities for people to get a work visa to come and live in the United States, which for some people is a dream. Um, yeah. Or, you know, maybe until very recently was. And I think mm-hmm. that's a cool thing that the company did as well. Because even when yeah. it was started, um, cultural appropriation wasn't, no one cared. So yeah, exactly. they, well, they yeah. didn't have to hire real Canadians or anybody else that are represented in yeah. the World Pavilion at Epcot. So I think that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really, really nice. Yeah. Well, um, would you like to answer another question? Yes. Okay. Uh, More questions. I don't have time to ask them all. So, um, all right. Well, who's your favorite princess other than Anna? <laughs> Well, okay, yeah, sure. Because only because I I already answered Anna with the one of my, my one of my many favorite overall Disney characters. Mm-hmm. Um, Multiple redheads. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite Disney princess. Ooh, that's tough. Mm-hmm. That is tough, genuinely, because like they're all great. Like a lot of them are great for various reasons. Like Snow is great because of her. Uh, uh, her in her what's it called her independent uh her tenacity desire, or, or, yeah her tenacity uh cinderella is great because is because of her just desire to dream and her desire to just want a better life uh aurora is great because again you know she just wants love and she just wants to dream and be free uh i'm blanking on all the other princesses now <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's because those are your favorites uh um, well ariel ariel is great because you know she's kind of like every teenager she's someone who wants to break free of what's been pre-described for for her uh jasmine is great because similar to that she wants to break free of what's been pre-described for her and so but she wants to show that she is strong and that she doesn't you know need a man mm-hmm. she's like she's very independent and fiercely feminist and it's amazing um uh fuck uh bell is great because you know she's super smart and independent and incredibly bookish which is great and you know is fearless uh mulan which personally i still contest is not exactly a disney princess because she's not technically a princess princess but... is about the princess within you now <laughs> sure i mean like of course this isn't me demeaning mulan at all because mulan is fucking no, I, just straight up I, badass i agree with you it's weird <laughs> but it is it's sure. it, it's weird to it, it's on one hand it's weird to include her in the disney princesses just because she isn't strictly a princess but at the same time it's like oh but it kind of makes sense because you know mm-hmm. she's badass uh yeah and like yeah um well and i mean they didn't have enough people of color as well i think is part of it um mm-hmm. But I, and then there's Pocahontas being on there, and the whole thing is very weird. Yeah, I mean, like Pocahontas is in there, and I, but I think like it's one of those things where it's like you can kind of equate the thing because within within the tribes there was that hierarchy which you could almost equate to mm-hmm. monarchy. So yeah. I think it's one of those like asterisks things. It's more that I, I'm I'm honestly more thinking parks wise when they parade her around with the oh, other princesses. Oh yeah, it's very strange. Oh. Oh my god. Okay, I have to tell you. I think I've told you this before, but like I was watching um I was watching a production of uh like this big show that was on one of the Disney cruise lines. Mm-hmm. And they were highlighting a bunch of various uh Disney musical numbers and everything and then they bring out Pocahontas. Mm-hmm. And as they bring out Pocahontas, uh here she comes out. There's John Smith, you know, regular white blonde haired dude but then here comes pocahontas and it's like oh yeah no it's just straight up a white girl in a long black wig oh and I'm like, oh oh that hurts yeah. that hurts me but it's also like, oh god it hurts like me. i know the way they've been casting it at the parks like i went to school with this girl beautiful and talented and i don't begrudge her taking the role at all um mm. not white but not um an indigenous mm. individual either and i mean they're just they're not looking to cast indigenous people as pocahontas they're not looking to make the costume more 
representative of what people would have worn at that time. And I mean, the story mm-hmm. also is is. Uh, I mean, like the story itself is also just very like terribly whitewashed. Incredibly so. I mean, as much as they try to kind of, I guess, push the narrative that colonialism is bad and you know all this other stuff it's like it's a real person who really died yeah under really really terrible circumstances um yeah i gosh it's one of those movies that to me it's like even though the intentions were good and there's beautiful songs in it i feel like in a hundred years it'll be like a little song of the southie like we don't talk about it Mm. um which i think is good and i hope that they tell a story about indigenous people and represent what they were really like uh in a better way soon yeah, that'd be nice. I think they just need to. I just think they need to really get like a solid uh, indigenous writer to do that. Yeah, and, like because f- there are some amazing stories like from indigenous cultures. Yep, like there's some beautiful stories. Uh, anyway, um, we digress. No, about? we don't. More... <laughs> no, it's still very on topic. <laughs> um, I guess technically Nala would be considered as. Would Nala be considered a Disney princess? Do you know, or is she a Disney queen? I would be so into replacing Pocahontas with Nala. <laughs> Just having a freaking <laughs> lion as part of the Disney princesses. Yes. That'd be pretty rad. She can hang out with Raja. Um, who else? Uh, well, Elsa. I really I really like Elsa. Mm-hmm. I think she's pretty great. Um, Moana. Moana is... Yeah. I love Moana. Fucking killer. Moana's great. Moana's pretty bad. I love I think, I think, Moana. Yeah. Uh, talking about uh, indigenous uh, people, actually. Yeah. Um, Tiana, I do love Tiana. I love Tiana. Tiana's Tiana has my favorite cool. "I Want" song in any Disney musical. Um, I, oh, I, think, I love that song. Yeah, almost there is just like, oh, it's so good. Almost there is so good. That one, that one hits really heavy. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I, I love part of your world. I still love. Mm-hmm. almost there more i love it i love the message yeah. of that song i love the message of that character love that movie. i think i ha- i think i have to say i think my favorite favorite princess is a tie okay i think it's a tie between mulan and moana okay yeah mulan is amazing yeah i think partly because mulan is just just fucking badass mm-hmm. and actively goes and like challenges all like these conventions of traditional masculinity and what it means to be a man quote unquote mm-hmm. you know as like in that song right yeah like, in the song uh donny osmond's song in the middle of a disney movie a plus be- <laughs> which is like legitimately a a really fucking fun pump up oh song. it's the I, best I, I love that when song. i used to dj club nights i would put that song on and it would just, peep everyone. It would just it the place would explode. It's great, yeah. And like I love that like Mulan does does such a good job of like challenging all that. And is like yeah, just because I'm a woman doesn't mean I can't do the shit that you guys can do and better. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> my my gen- my gender does not mean anything. Yeah, and no, I, love I mean that. her love, her like the love for her family is more important to her. Yeah, than anything, and I think that's really nice. Yeah, uh, I feel uh, my favorite princess is I like Aurora because she's pretty, and <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean like Aurora is great too because like and like like Aurora is really fed like or not fed but she's really handed like the short end of the stick mm-hmm. is like she she lives in this cottage for sixteen years kind of has this life that she thinks is what it is and then suddenly oh hold on you're telling me I'm the heiress to a kingdom yeah i yeah and it's like you know like she's kind of like thrown into this big responsibility that she never really asked for all she really wanted was just to you know be with this man that she fell in love with even though literally only met him that day i know but, of course, but like know, that's, did you hear that's him the whole sing? disney formula did you whatever. see his face did you see <laughs> did you his see him horse? dance yes did you see him his dance horse. did you see his boots I understand. <laughs> and if I were 16 and I looked like that and and I met that man and it was the first man I ever saw, I get it. It's medieval times. I have no judgment there. I don't think <laughs> I don't think it's unfeminist to want to go off with a person you find that is exciting. Um No, I don't think so. And I honestly like oh man, I don't know. I get tired of the narrative of like Disney princesses have no agency. I think that it's mm-hmm. a sad story about a woman who 
doesn't have agency. Like, yeah, I, but it doesn't have agency because, and it's not it's not her fault that she doesn't have. Yeah, agency. it's not her fault. It keeps getting taken away from her, and yeah. um, it is only when people stop removing her agency that she's able to live a happy life. You can interpret it that way just as much as you can interpret it as someone who uh, doesn't fight. But like, like. You know, it's another version of the story where the fairies teach her how to fight and maybe we'll get that in a while. Mm -hmm. I I just love Sleeping Beauty. I think it's such a just gorgeous movie. I think Philip is nice to be so brave and protective of her. And um, Mm -hmm. I when there's only stories like that, that's bad. But sometimes I like a story like that. It makes me feel cozy. Well, I think that's and I think that's fine. I think if if it resonates with you in some level, I think that's okay, mm-hmm. you know. And like, uh, and of course, we also have uh, the movie Maleficent, which I think is an, uh, which I think is a really good example of taking uh, of doing a reboot of a story, but doing it in a different way that still maintains the uh, the original. Uh, what's it called? What's the word I'm looking for? integrity um, yes thank you the integrity of the of this of that source material uh the source material being the previous disney movie not of course the book itself or the story itself but uh takes the integrity of that of that movie and bring and elevates it to a different level through a different point of view because you still have that story you still have aurora living in the forest with the fairies uh you know they just decided to make it a little different by having maleficent uh, be not necessarily the villain the entire time, showing that, you know, she just, that Maleficent herself also just kind of happened to get the short end of the stick. Yeah. Uh, I also think know. it's valid if you're, like, a powerful fairy and you're, pretend like, uh, purposely getting excluded from incredibly huge, important social functions that you'd be angry. I think that's justified regardless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Be mad, and then too. It, and then... Yeah, and then it explores the the concept of the true love kiss and the true love kiss, you know, not being not coming from Philip, but instead coming from Maleficent herself because she loves Aurora as a daughter because she basically took care of her while Aurora was growing up. Yeah, you know, I think I so think that's I think, nice. Yeah, um, I think I think that's really nice too. I think, oh gosh, I feel different about the kiss in Sleeping Beauty than I do about the one in Snow White. I think the Sleeping Beauty one is, for all intents and purposes, consensual. Um, I The Snow White one, I just think it's weird that a dude wanted to kiss a corpse, but that, <laughs> like, I don't, I you know, like, the reason, I, I mean, I, that's why that one's weird to me. Like, I, I, of course you shouldn't kiss sleeping women, but when the curse is that only true love's kiss will waken you, you gotta do it. Yeah, you don't exactly have much of a choice, do you? Yeah, don't kiss sleeping women, though. <laughs> well, yes. Yes, of course. Sorry, that's not what I mean. No, 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 no. I know what you mean. I, 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 we're, we're, <laughs> we're telling the same story. I'm telling our listeners yes. at home, don't kiss sleeping women unless you are 100% sure that there's that a curse okay because you saw a dragon <laughs> and 100-foot columns of green flame. So yes. that's the moral of the story. Yes, yes. Unless, yes, unless you know there's an active curse that's put the entire kingdom into a magical sleep, then... Yes. And you have to know for sure, just a magical sleep isn't enough. You have to see some other shenanigans first. Yes. Yes. You know, like a fucking dragon <laughs> and giant green flames and weird thorn bushes that appear out of nowhere. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we're, we're drawing to the end of our hour, Anwar. Yes. And I haven't asked all my questions, which is great because I can ask them other times. When. Save them for later. We'll save them for later. But because we have a random podcast theme today, I get to ask you my random Disney this or that, which you have to say without thinking. Cute. All right. Are you ready? All right. All right. Let's hope I don't say anything too untowards. I don't think I don't think you can. Okay. Um, uh, ready? Yes. All right. Snow White or Sleeping Beauty? Snow White. Anastasia or Drizella? Oh, Anastasia. Splash Mountain or Space Mountain? Oh, Splash Mountain. <laughs> Chip or Dale? Chip. Oh. 2D animation or CGI? 2D. Princesses or Pixar? Oh, no. Why are you doing this? Have oh, to. now. 
Oh, fuck. Okay, I, I, I feel like I'm only answering, like, the first thing that you're saying. <laughs> well, I mean, what um, would entertain you for the rest of time on a deserted island? Princesses or Pixar? Mm. Oh, probably the Pixar movies. Uh, well, they have princesses in them. Bo Peep's a princess. Uh, sure. <laughs> the Haunted She's Mansion or Pirates of the Caribbean? Oh, Haunted Mansion. Mm, tangled Hands or down. Frozen? Oh, Tangled. Uh, the Gray Stuff or Lemon Snow Cones made by the Abominable Snowman himself? The Lemon Snow Cones. Aww. Prince Florian or Prince Philip? Which one's Prince Florian? Well, that's Snow White, isn't it? Is that who that was? I thought that was just charming. Well, that was off the top of my head, so maybe I'm incorrect. Someone will have to tell oh. me. I'll look it up and, and shame myself. Prince or, or, Prince, or Prince Philip? Uh, it'll have to be Philip. I mean, he literally fought a dragon. And he's so hot. Okay, that's my last <laughs> one. Okay. Ooh. All right, you passed. A plus. Yay. I passed a test. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so thank you for uh, listening, everyone. And thank you for those cute little... Uh, questions that make me kind of rethink how i was answering them. <laughs> <laughs> it's always like, literally good to just challenge yourself about your impressions of the media you consume well no that's fair but i i was literally thinking i think i'm i think i'm just answering the answer that she's putting first and i'm not and i'm just kind of acting reaction re, re, reactionary so I was like, but then I was think I was thinking again about it. I was like, oh yeah, no, like the answers I gave are actually pretty fair. Mm-hmm. I think they were. Yeah. I mean, I, there's no wrong answer ever. It's just to see what you think. Very true. So I'm interested. Well, thank you for yeah. joining me and talking about nerdy things. Yes, thank you for joining me. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so next uh, next episode, I think we're gonna be we're gonna announce kind of. Uh, how we're going to be moving forward, like what we're going to be highlighting, which I'm very excited because we're going to talk about the golden age. So we're going to go, we're going to start talking about uh, films, uh, uh, like the films uh, starting from uh, way back when we're going to talk about the golden age of, of Disney. And I'm very excited to touch on those with you. Very soon. Yes. All right. All right so good night, everyone. Good night.